to say right now i don't know what to say i don't know how to feel about this one well let me introduce the guest um because he's a he's a beautiful young man he really is um he has a wonderful soul and uh i'm curious what his thoughts are on um an interesting game a very interesting game and that of course is jeremy cohen jeremy uh uh, how you feeling about this one Eh. Eh. yeah i was hoping for a win i really wanted it but then when I saw the Cavs come roaring back for 40 points in the fourth quarter, I was like, you know what? I'm okay with the Cavs being two games back for the second worst record. That is, that's fine. We can live with that. Um, but I wanted to win. I did. I, I feel dirty. Um, I feel like I need to go take a shower. Uh, or a bath, I guess. But really, baths, I don't, I still don't understand the, the mentality like how is a bath supposed to clean you um right you're just swimming in your own filth you are swimming in your own filth that's why you got to do the shower bath what is, it's a shower bath is when you do both at the same time oh so like you could God. you could Ugh, like, right. swim around in the bath and have the shower or you take a bath and then shower so you get all the grime off of you there's um, several techniques yeah i know that that sounds like a lot of work um and i'm just, just thinking... okay well I, like I mean you could do it well not the faucet you know that's a little too small not a baby anymore but yeah, I'm just thinking. Um, I'm thinking that my my daughter stopped pooing in the tub, so that's a good thing. Anyway, <laughs> we, we've gone far afoul already. Um, here's why I feel dirty. I feel dirty because I'm sitting here, and I'm the guy who. It doesn't matter how bad we are. It doesn't matter how late in the season it is. It doesn't matter if it's all like old guys playing who will probably be gone. I am Captain Culture. I am you know Nick's Kool Aid. You know, there's no such thing as a bad win. Um, I mean, I was the fucking idiot rooting for, what was his name? Maurice Indoor. Um, you know, the last game of however many seasons ago it was, I'm that guy and I'm sitting here and I'm watching the end of this game unfold where the Knicks just, it's not that they didn't give it away. I mean, the Cavs kind of took it. The, The Knicks couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't make a shot. They, you know, the offense kind of slowed down and they, they turned, uh, you know, what was a, 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 comfortable fourth quarter lead into what ended up being a seven point loss. And I'm like, I don't hate this with every fiber of my being. I'm like, they're losing to the right team. I saw a stretch of basketball in the, I would say like the second half of the third quarter, kind of beginning of the fourth quarter where I'm like, holy shit, Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, Damian Dotson, Alonzo Trier, all on the floor at the same time. And it was like, they look like a real basketball team, Jeremy. Am I was I imagining that, or did that really happen? No, that really happened. And I think that Damian Dotson's injury oh, shifted the momentum completely. So let's let's start there because I'm actually going to go look up um, how much they were, or maybe you have it in front of you, how much they were up um, when he went out. Um, hold on, I'm going to get it right now. Um, but I completely agree, and he, it's like. He stabilizes both ends of the floor. Is that a good way to put it? 
Yeah, I would say that. Uh, he's a very steady piece, steady two-way piece. Um, the Knicks were winning 103 to 92. There you go. Okay, so they were up which by means nine. that yeah, which means that the Cavs outscored them 33 to 15. And that changed the entire complexity of the game. Even more than that, if you if you just do some quick math, that means yeah, that means the Cavs scored. Holy shit! They outscored them two to one, basically. Twenty five to some thirty. 25, 33. That means the Cavs scored 33 points over the final nine minutes of this game. That's staggering. Um, you don't deserve to win if you let that happen. No, not to the Cavs. And I know they've been playing well, but you you know, you know, can't do that. And again, it's like, let's think about this. We're, we're, we're Knicks fans, me and you, who are believers that stuff carries over from one season to the next and there's value in, like, young guys learning how to win games and, like, you know, a, a winning streak of three games, four out of five. Like, that's the type of thing that's like, all right, all this work that we've been putting in this year, like, okay, that that's it's starting to get validated. And that kind of go by, kind of goes by the wayside. But why did it go by the wayside? I think that's the important thing to look at here. It's like, okay, they couldn't stop anybody. Is that a huge concern for you that they couldn't stop the Cavs in the fourth quarter? Yeah, that's definitely a concern. <laughs> uh, I, of all the teams, and again, like you said, the Cavs are playing better, especially with Love coming back, but. When you're at home, when you're riding a two-game win streak, which to a team that's won 13 games is a big deal, yeah, you expect a little bit more, a little bit more defensive intensity during crunch time, and to just give it all right back. That's the thing. You're right. It just sucks. Yeah, and and you could you know you could go through it, and that's. I I don't want to give the impression that they were like playing lazy or something because they weren't, but like you you, you know. It's a bad luck to give up 33 points the last nine minutes of the game, and I think it's an example of young guys showing their age. And then on the other end of the floor, and this is where you know, you're know you going to get some of the criticisms of Fisdale, I'm sure, after this game. Um, you know, you had Moutier, who, look, I thought he played a really nice first half um, and even had... Eh, I, don't know, I, I don't know that he had any nice moments in the second half, actually. I thought he played a nice first half. And then he came in, and it was a lot of one-on-one. You know, the the offense slowed down. Um, what did you see from Moutier there in the fourth? Am I overreacting to that, or I thought he was pretty bad? Yeah, he was pretty bad. But I mean, that's okay. And you've you've stated as well that these are young guys; they're going to go through through these up and down periods. Um, it was really him or Smith, and neither of them played particularly well in the fourth, especially towards the end of the game. The clear path foul was a result of Smith throwing yeah. the ball while jumping in midair. That was that didn't help. I um, I feel a little bad though because I thought overall Smith played a pretty good game and he, I think people will remember that and I think they'll remember he had I think uh, an ill advised three at some point that was it was not a great look either. Um, with yes, I I will say though that and this was mostly in the first quarter. And he did go down with foul trouble. Yeah. But I counted within from the time where the game started to when he exited in the first. Uh, he gave up eight points uh, as the primary defender, or whether it was a Sexton layup, uh, Brandon Knight three, fouling Brandon Knight, or fouling Zizic. So it, it kind of comes back to what we've talked about in the past how much of his defense can play a role. And I didn't think he played terribly tonight but 
I mean, he had eight assists, which I think, yeah. is, you know, shouldn't go unsaid. Um, that was something. The shot looked okay on a few on those mm-hmm. couple of threes in the first half. No, I, I'm with you. I, but I, I tend to think that his defense, if it's going to make a leap, it's going to make a leap between, like, over the offseason. And maybe yes. they'll come back next season after, you know, Fisdale's already talked about his conditioning is not where it needs to be. His diet is not what it needs to be. Um, you know, let's see what a summer in this program um, – the Knicks program that they have that they they have touted um, will do for him. If uh, you if you see um, when Clarkson hit that three, at, uh, I think it was a minute and twenty one left. Yeah. If you go back and watch it, uh, so there um, Sexton was being his primary defender was Smith, and then Osman cut over and it looked like it was going to be a pick, but he didn't actually. And then Knox and Smith kind of had some breakdown in terms of their defense, and there was a little bit of pushing. So Sexton beat Knox on the dribble, which caused Robinson to shift over, uh-huh. and then Trier also shifted over, and then Clarkson just buried the three. So it was kind of that thing where if if Smith had been a little bit better defensively on that one possession, yeah. the entire thing does not change. And then you're looking at either you know a three-point game if it's a two that they let up, or the Knicks don't let them score and then they come back the other way. So that I thought was what broke the camel's back. Yeah, no, that was – I mean it was the biggest shot of the game. Um I'm I'm not worried about Smith. I yeah. like what we've seen from him so far. I think I don't think his shot is broken. Unlike Moutier, I don't think uh, I don't think Moutier will ever be a plus shooter. I think that that possibility still exists for for DSJ. Um, I think the defense will be okay. Let's talk about Kevin Knox. Um, I think I asked you this a week or two ago, but I'll ask you it again. Are you worried? About about him at this point, he was uh, I don't even know what the fuck he's. It's like every game now we've come to expect him to be three for some double digit number. Tonight it was three for twelve, um, zero for four from three, um, and one of them I don't think hit the rim. Uh, are you worried? Worried, but not apoplectic. He's a rookie. He goes through things. It's going to happen. Every player matures, develops differently. But we talked about this the last time. I'm very concerned with his tunnel vision. And there was something that I highlighted on Twitter, and I feel like I've been doing this in the past, and I feel like others have been doing this in the past, where there will be um, something in transition, and he'll just completely ignore the other player. So he ignored Dotson, who was wide open in the corner, and the Knicks were lucky that the ball was knocked out by Cleveland. They could retain it, but Dotson was just standing there with his hands on his hips, and you could even see him when they were running up the court with his hand up, screaming for the ball, and it just didn't come. Or he didn't pass back to Dennis Smith, who was trailing. It's things like that where you just scratch your head and you say, honestly, if your shot's not falling, that's okay. But at least figure out a way to get other players positively impacted. Because if you do that, you're going to feel so much more confident. Like if you're if you're struggling, but you see everyone around you playing yeah. well and you're helping them play well, that's only going to help your confidence. And that's something that I feel Knox struggles with. And if he can't shoot, then it's like his entire game is gone. It shouldn't be the case. Yeah, it just well, shouldn't. No, it sh- I mean, he is, uh, to use an analogy from last year's, uh, my favorite movie of last year, he is in the sunken place right now. And he... I don't even think he knows which end is up. And I think he's reverting back to the one thing that he has always known how to do, which is score, except that's not happening. And it reminds me of something that I want to say Cole Zwicker said repeatedly as he was um, 
you know, as we were leading up to last year's draft, which is that his real concern about Knox is that he did not think the game really well. And I think we're seeing that right now because a player who is able to think the game at a little bit of higher level, I feel like they're going to do the things that you just spoke about. And he's obviously not doing any of those things and he's not looking to do any of those things. And it's a problem. I, I too am not apoplectic because I don't, I don't think again in his career, he will ever struggle this much offensively. I just think he's in his own head and he's a rookie and he's tired and his legs are not, you know, are failing him and all of the things. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with Knox. We've gone, how many, this is, I think we broke a rule here. We've gone 13 minutes almost and we've not mentioned the name of one Mitchell Robinson. Um, and this was not intentional to like keep people listening to the pod. We just haven't gotten to him. I promise. Um, another great game. I mean, what, when's the last time we talked? I feel like the Mitchell Robinson legend is growing exponentially by the day. Where where are you at with Mitch? Say something good about Mitch. I love Mitch. I How can you not love Mitch? He's amazing. But what really stuck out to me was, so he had 12, 7, 2 blocks, 5 of 5 shooting, fouled out. There are only about 2 or 3 plays I can think of where he was maybe a little too far out on the perimeter and he got... And, burned. and we should mention the foul out was largely attributed to him committing three fouls late as they were um, like literally in the last like minute or two of the game as, as yes. they had to foul to stay in it. But anyway. But so I see this type of performance and it feels like a quiet night. And yet when you look <laughs> at everything that he's done just just from this one game, that's not quiet. It's just his legend has grown so much yeah. as a result of his stellar play. That this game almost feels like a disappointment. It's by no means a disappointment, but you just think like, all right, the guy had six blocks last game and five the game before. So you're telling me he only had two tonight? It's it's insane, and I I think something that I want to highlight, and I noticed it today, and I almost didn't believe it. So before he went out with that, um, I forget what the injury was. I think it was an ankle um, in the middle of December. He played 28 games. How many, and if you know the answer, don't cheat. Tell me you know the answer. Um, how many of those 28 games do you think he scored in double figures in? If you had to take guess. That's uh, 21? No, Mitchell Robinson. Out of those 28 games that he played, the first 28 games of his career, how many games oh, do, so you think, do you think he scored double figures in? Uh, I'll, go, I'll go conservative and say five. Three. <laughs> he scored... There was a stretch early on. He scored 11 points against Brooklyn, 13 points against Dallas the night of the first game watch, and 10 points the next night against Washington. And then he did not score in double figures again before his injury. He is now, if you add in tonight, he has scored in double figures in eight of his last 10 games. And I know double fig Exactly. I, it's like, I know double figures isn't like the be-all, end-all, but... It's, I mean, it's it's significant because he's learning how to put the ball in the basket. He's and and a lot of it's coming on putbacks. I mean, he had five baskets tonight. They were all dunks, either lobs or or putbacks. But he's like figuring it out. And then you throw in the rebounds. He had seven rebounds tonight. That's one of his worst rebounding games of the last, um, I would say, three weeks. It's you know he's averaged nine boards a game um, over his last nine before this. So that'll go down a hair, but. Man, I what's the ceiling here? I don't know. I think I asked Zach this question the other night. What's what's your ceiling for him? It's the roof. <laughs> like, 
I don't – if he can put the ball on the floor a little bit better, yeah. how do you that. stop that? And actually, you had a tweet that inspired me to do something. It was about uh, Mitchell Robinson, Alonzo Trier, Dennis Smith Jr., I think, and And Dotson, Knox? I think it was. Or Dotson, yeah. Yeah. So I was curious, and I looked since the last trade or since the trade on the 31st. Yes. I tried to look at uh, – I was going to do five player lineups, but that the sample sizes were all too small. So I settled with three. Do you want to guess how many um, positive net ratings the three-man lineups – that the Knicks have three-man lineups over 45 minutes? Over 45 minutes. Can you tell me how many total lineups there were that have played over 45 minutes? Uh, 37. Since the trade, there have been 37 three-man lineups that have played over 45 minutes. And that are positive. Well, in general, and, and, how and, many? Are and how many of them are positive? Um, hmm. I don't, I'm. I almost want to say like, is it close to half? Like fifteen, twenty? Unfortunately, not. It's it's eight. But really, do you want to guess how many of them feature Mitchell Robinson? Oh, uh, five or six? Eight. Holy sh! Really? Wow. I so I looked up a stat. I think it was this morning or yesterday when I tweeted it out that um, th- since July, uh, January 1st, him and Trier in 250-something minutes, it's more now, have like a positive 7.2 net rating, which is like that's a significant amount of minutes, and that's a significant positive for a team that can't get out of its own way most nights. Um, and then, yeah. I look, yeah, I looked at the other uh, two-man lineups that have played a significant amount of minutes since the beginning of the year, and he's a part of most of them, too. It's insane. This guy was supposed to be in the G League this year. He wasn't supposed to play. <laughs> and he's doing – I yeah. I don't know. I'm running out of things to say. I don't and know Trier was in five of those eight lineups, and he's been he's, phenomenal over his last we, 15. Can we finish? Yeah. Let, can we talk about Trier, please? Because yeah. I feel like, and you tell me if I'm overreacting to what my my perception, I feel like he's now starting to be like almost taken for granted. Like he came on the scene, he could put the ball in the basket like early on in his rookie year, and now it's like he has these games where it's like, hey, Lonzo Trier, 22 points on 15 shots, leading scorer for the Knicks yet again. And it's like, all right, I, he's good, man. Yeah. Over his last 10 games entering tonight, he was shooting 46% from the floor, forty almost 41% from three, um, tw- uh, ten, almost 10 points a game. I mean, there are things you'd like to see for him to improve upon, of course, but I absolutely owe him an apology because we both talked about how, I, you know, what I, if he's hit a ceiling? I and just I, mentioned it on the Periscope. Yeah. And it's totally like, yeah, you maybe that was just because you were struggling with the injury. Maybe you do have a lot more room for growth. I I certainly apologize, uh, especially if his mother is listening. I apologize <laughs> for doubting your son. She you did is a very awesome. good job coaching him. Yeah, I bet. So, it, but it's great to see that, and it also because the Knicks, as you obviously know, have locked up uh, Jenkins and Ellenson. For next year, both are it's a guaranteed contract, but it's team option. And then there's also Trier's deal, which is um, I believe they have to decide by June twentieth. Yeah, and it's all, the sort of thing. All of the decisions have to be before July first. Yeah, exactly. So it's the sort of thing where if you're the Knicks, 
even though you'd probably have restricted free agent matching rights anyway, do you let Trier hit the open market or do you just send do you just take the team option and not let anyone bid for his services and figure out what happens the year after that? I kind of think you take the team option. I I have a thought on that, which I'm going to get to in a second, and we'll close with that. But before we do, I want to ask you this. Um, this was the eighth time this year that Alonzo Trier scored 20 or more points. How many times this year do you think he's taken 20 shots in a game? I know he hasn't done it recently. Um, this whole year, I want to say maybe uh, 12 times. 20 shots in a game? Yeah. Uh, that'd, that'd be zero times. <laughs> he is wow. not his his season high for field goal attempts is 18 and he scored 31 points that game his next highest um game in terms of field goal attempts is 15 so this is a guy that has like his efficiency is utterly ridiculous i don't know how he's doing it um, magic game was insane what's that the magic game, the game he had against Orlando where, he, I mean, he kept scoring from the free throw line. He's yeah. barely taking any shots from the floor. Yeah, no, but, he, he is a gift. He 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 gets the line. He um, um, What did he have tonight? Five <laughs> – it led the team in free throws tonight. Five free throws. It's insane how efficient the guy is. Um, let's, let's close with a brief discussion on the free agency situation because now they have now signed um, – Trier, um, Jenkins, and Ellenson, um, who played well tonight, by the way. We should mention he had 13 points, 27 minutes. He looks good. Um, five rebounds. They have these three guys on contracts that it's a team. All of the three contracts have team options, essentially, right? Um, that they need to decide on before July 1st. JB sent out a tweet about this and it kind of went under the radar earlier today and I just want to get your opinion on it he's like well yeah the guaranteed is before July 1st so you'll have to make the decision before you know what's going on in free agency but you'll also be able to use those contracts in a trade potentially before July 1st and I'm wondering like if they do well in the draft, right, and they get, I mean, obviously the first pick or the second pick, are they signing all these guys to contracts that have team options for the second year because they're tr- lining up to make an AD play before free agency begins? I don't think so. Just based on the math that's been laid out. I, where, l- oh, I know the math. And, and I know you know the math, but that, that's exactly why I feel like it would be foolish to do that. Especially because I don't see the Pelicans engaging in a trade with Boston still sitting on the sidelines. Well, no, but that's the but. Hold on. So you're I, right. But I know why you say that's the advantage. Why Bo- why New Orleans would be interested in that? But if you think about it, if you think about the fact that the Knicks, let's just if you if if they got the first pick, then I don't know that New Orleans would wait for Boston's offer because. New York could could trump it, but I'm wondering. I know there's no way the math works that if you acquire Davis before free agency begins, like you can't then sign um, two max guys. I get that, 
But I just, I don't know. I almost wonder if they would make if they're doing this to try to make a play for AD as like to basically ensure that Durant comes, and then you would have, I guess at that point, slightly less than a second max slot, and then it's like, all right, um, we have Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. We can't pay you a max, but we could pay you like eighty-five or ninety percent of a max. Uh, does anybody want to come take our money? You don't think somebody good might want to do that? I'm just throwing it out yeah, there, man. No, I, I'm just throwing I know it what out you're saying. there. You see, the way I look at it is there's probably going to be enough back-channeling by the time the draft rolls around. That they'll know what that, everybody exactly. wants to do. Um, yeah. And uh, this I really don't expect to happen. But if we want to talk crazy, what if the Knicks did a sign-and-trade not for Anthony Davis, but for Kevin Durant before July 1st because he does have that player option. It's crazy for a few reasons. One, we know he's going to want that long-term money. That's almost guaranteed. But two, I mean – I – no, Do you see what I'm saying though? Like if you're able to lock him in and then you can have enough room to still get two other stars in free agency – and then you're basically saying to the Warriors, he's going to leave you for nothing. Yeah, but so are you something. saying are you saying Kevin Durant would opt into the, the the his deal right now? I don't see it happening at all. But I'm saying like if there were a player that you could trade for, because it, it happened with Chris Paul before he hit free agency, yeah. he was able to be traded again. Very unrealistic, incredibly unrealistic. But it would be a way for the Knicks to say to Kevin Durant, "We're happy to pay you." But just consider this. Uh, we could trade similar assets and get you for a lot less than we would for Anthony Davis, and we can go out and still get two max free agents. So that's that's really interesting. Um, huh. Hadn't even considered it. Um, my inclination is that Durant wants to – well, I was going to say Durant wants to get paid, which would equate to a full – four-year deal, but I wonder, does he want to take the LeBron route and um, and go for a couple of, one, like, you know, do one plus ones? Like, he, well, it's what he's been doing with Golden State. Oh, man. Um, they could also sign him to a max extension for an additional five years. And then do the doing sign that. and trade? No, yeah, no. So, wait, hold, hold, wait, if they, if the Knicks sign and trade Durant and he, he essentially... No, sorry. If they trade for him on as if he opts in and they trade for him, that's what you're that's what you're proposing. So imagine this: the Knicks say the Knicks and Durant have come to an agreement, and they facilitate a sign and trade, and he opts into what will be a thirty one point five million dollar deal. That's about seven that's million dollars. That's player short. option for this year. That's player option for twenty nineteen twenty. Yes, exactly. Okay. So the Knicks could say to him, "Hey, opt into that." And then we can give you a five-year extension as opposed to you coming as a free agent that's and my, getting four years. That's my question. Is that allowed within the CBA? Can they? Can the can the acquiring team in this scenario, being the Knicks, can they give him a five-year? They could give him a five-year max. I guess they can because he's there. He's on. He, there. They'd have his bird rights. Is, is the way his I'm. Bird rights. Huh. I'd really love for JB. No, to, no, I they they would be able to, they would be able to do that. Wow. Yeah, I I don't see why they wouldn't. So again, it's very unrealistic. Don't see it happening, but I think that would 
make for a very compelling situation. And again, the Warriors could say, we're getting something back here. We'll take it. Um, yeah. Let it uh, marinate. Let's see. You no, know. I will let it marinate. I, you know what? I've been, I'm, I actually have an article coming out, um, either tomorrow or at some point soon on the step back about, uh, f- looking at this from the Celtics angle of all things. <laughs> Cause I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm very intrigued by how the summer is going to play out specifically from the perspective of the Knicks and the Celtics, because I think they both have to do dances that like require it's like a game of musical chairs where there's like chairs coming in and going out at the same time and there's like it, it, there's forget like there's one too few chairs there's like three too few chair too too few chairs and it's it's just going to be nuts and i and the thing that particularly fascinates me about those the Knicks and the Celtics is i think so much of their summers are interrelated because of Anthony Davis and because of Kyrie Irving. Um, and I just really wonder if someone is going to... That's why I bring go back to Anthony Davis. I feel I almost feel like it's a situation where whoever makes the aggressive play for Davis before free agency starts is in the driver's seat for everything else. And I... Yeah. Again, I have no... I have no evidence... Like to to say that that's actually the case, but it just if you go th- if you go through it in your mind, I, I'm telling you, it's it's I don't know. Um, we'll see, we'll see. Um, we've we've how did we get on this discussion? Coming talking about a, a game that they blew, they absolutely <laughs> li- literally blew chunks all over themselves in the fourth quarter. Um, we got lost in the sauce. We did get lost in the sauce. It happens, and we didn't even mention Lance Thomas. Nineteen minutes tonight. L- Nineteen valiant minutes. Can we say that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's valiant. He is valiant. He's he's nothing if not valiant. All right, we've talked for long enough um, about this game. Uh, you got anything uh, coming up? Anything you want to plug, promote, say, shout, whatever? Uh, a couple podcasts with Andrew, Claudio, Gotham Sports Network next week. I don't want to spoil the guest. but Ooh, you have a guest? I mean, we do have a guest. Can- but I, I don't want to say any more just because I just – I, I don't. I, it's not my place to say. It's Andrew's okay. podcast. Um, oh. It's exciting, but at the same time, the person is closer than you think. So I'll leave it at that. What do you, closer than I think in terms of like location where he lives? I've said too much. Um, it, it'll be fun. It's it'll be fun. I, I think I may. Know, I'm going to ask you about this after we go. All home. right, sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. So everybody out there, um, if you're not already listening to and subscribe to. Um, What's the actual name of the podcast? It's like the just the Gotham. Uh, nothing but Knicks. Nothing but Knicks. Okay, um, through Gotham Sports, you should do that. They, it's a great pod. Um, I don't listen to many pods, but I listen to that one. It's good. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. Um, thank you, Jeremy, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, anytime, man. And uh, of course, thank you out there for listening. Um, I hope you enjoy your weekend. We will be back. I got a, a fun episode coming up this weekend uh, with uh, some couple of close friends who most Knicks fans have heard or seen. And uh, I'm going to leave leave you guys hanging with that one. But you guys are going to enjoy that. I think uh, that pod is going to be dropping on Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure yet. Um, but in any case, uh, have a great weekend. And we will talk to you soon. Peace.